The torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. He battled the talking heads and cynics in Washington to save GM and Chrysler. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. He battled the Great Recession to save Michigan's capital city from bankruptcy. To this big, bold country that we love, that's what I see. That's the America I know. Now he's on a mission to save the America that brought his father from Italy and millions of immigrants to build the greatest nation in the world. And I do believe that the office of citizen is the highest office in this country. Here he is, America, Verge Bonero. Good afternoon, Michigan. Good afternoon, America. Well, we're back at it uh, on The Verge Bernero Show. Really appreciate your joining us. It's going to be a great show. I say gritting my teeth, gritting my teeth. It's going to be a great show. Uh, I woke up this morning, Andy, I got to tell you, I woke up this morning thinking about the show. And Uh for the first time... uh, I was a little, I was a little queasy. I, I was a little sick to my stomach, and the reason, my friends, is because I knew we would have to talk about impeachment. It's so, it's and so I'm not sickening. excited. I'm not excited about talking about impeachment. I'm excited about the show. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to be talking to you, but I just want to share with you, at a guttural level. I mean, just be, to be very honest, I'm always going to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I was, I had like a knot in my stomach. And uh, unlike my wife, I don't have any flu bug. I, I am feeling healthy, but I was not excited about the topic. And the thing is, I know there's a lot of politics and Democrats and Republicans are listening. But I saw Hakeem Jeffries on the news last night, uh, one of the Democratic leaders, yeah. uh, young upcoming leaders. And, uh, you know, he, was, he looked sick to his stomach. And they were asking him, and he was saying, and, and I know you've all heard this, and you think it's just sound bites. He was saying it's a somber, serious time. It's a difficult time in America, blah, blah, blah. And there's no blah, blah, blah about it. Like, it's real. This, this feeling in my stomach is, it's not as a Democrat, it's as an American that we can't ignore the times that we're in. Yeah, right now uh, in our this, country, this is something this is not a serious to be excited time, about. And you should be watching it. You should be riveted by it. You should be concerned about it. Uh, what This is about our liberty. This is about our Constitution, our governing model. So it's a very crucial and vital time in America. And if you don't sense the gravity of it, then you're not paying attention. If you don't sense the seriousness of it, then you're not paying attention. And I encourage you, as an American, as an American first, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, to put on your serious hat about it, uh, be ready to slog through it with me or without me. But as an American, be ready to grapple with this and grasp it and take some ownership of it, because I got news for you. You have ownership of it. In America, citizen is the highest office. And so you you are responsible for a piece of this, whether you're for the impeachment or against the impeachment or just paying attention or just tuning in. This is about you. It's about me. It's about our posterity. That means your children and grandchildren, your future. It is about our past, our present, and our future as Americans. So it is a weighty time. It is Mm -hmm. a difficult time, but we will get through it together, which takes me to virtual reality, America the beautiful, I pledge allegiance to the flag, liberty, and justice for all. We the people, we the people, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty 
to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. That's the preamble to the Constitution, and it's worth repeating, it's worth memorizing even, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Words, all of them, just words, words that together form the moral and legal basis of this nation, words that constitute the legitimacy of the United States government, words that encapsulate a people's belief and the hope of people around the world, words that separate the USA from dictatorships and empires and sultanates the world over. These words and the ideas behind them are exactly what separates us from other countries. They're exactly what's being debated in Washington right now in the impeachment process that is unfolding before our very eyes. These words, the question, these words are being put to the test. Is the United States a government of laws as conceived by the founding fathers with checks and balances on the respective branches of government? Or are these words uh, that can be erased or ignored by a strong-willed chief executive, a strong-willed, strong-arm, strong-man president, a would-be strong-man president? Are these words in the Constitution something that that one person has control over? Our founders, my friends, my Democratic friends, my Republican friends, my friends that aren't quite sure about which party, our founders envisioned the possibility that a president might overreach or overstep and step so far out of line that he or she might have to be reined in or even removed from office. Thus, impeachment is provided for in our Constitution. Impeachment is an all-consuming process, dominating Washington and the politics of the nation at the moment. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. My daughter asked me today, are you going to talk about some issues today, Dad? And I said, Virginia. Yes, Virginia, there, is, there are issues out there to be discussed. There is a Santa Claus. Yes, Virginia. But but right now, right now, impeachment is dominating the topic, the, 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 the agenda uh, of the nation, for better or worse. It is. It has to. But yes, there are issues going on. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But impeachment is provided for in our Constitution. It's dominating. It is... Uh, uh, at the top of our, our consciousness, and it's a shame that this is so, but it is necessary. What the impeachment process is not, surprisingly to some, what the impeachment process is not is what President Trump says it is. Can we play that clip of President Trump talking about impeachment? You sure can. They're pursuing an illegal, invalid, and unconstitutional bull impeachment. Um, <laughs> I mean, where do you begin? It's obviously not unconstitutional. It's provided for in the Constitution. Right. So I get he doesn't like it. I'm sure President Nixon didn't like it when they were starting impeachment proceedings against him. I'm sure President Clinton didn't like it a bit when 
they started impeachment proceedings against him. But none, none of they didn't call it a bull crap process. They didn't call it illegitimate. They didn't call it unconstitutional because it's being done exactly according to the Constitution. And what's really ironic is when I hear Republicans with their crocodile tears, and this goes for all you Republicans, this is your party, talking about, oh, it's unfair, oh, the process, oh, the rules, when in fact, and I know facts don't matter so much to Republicans, but I'm still going to, you know, I'm one of those guys, I, I think facts need to be, we need to promote them. Virgin, I, gotta, I think that's what e- democracy is based on. We have on. to use the right nomenclature. It's alternative facts. Yeah. Well, that's what they believe in, right? <laughs> but the fact is, the process, when you complain about the rules, it's the process, we're using the Republican mm-hmm. playbook. We're using the rules that were in place under Clinton that, that the Republicans ran. So we're, we're, we're operating under the, you talk about bipartisanship. The Democrats, Schiff and Pelosi, the ones running this process, are using the Republican rule book. We're following your script. What are you talking about? Well, not meant not just that, but the fact that when they started these before they actually started the official hearings and uh, saying we are officially opening it up, the, that's all the, de- the Republicans were talking about. It's like you're not you're not doing it publicly, and so they're like, right. okay, now here it's you public, go. and now it's public, and they're bitching and moaning about who 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 they are, and they say, well, look at these these. Uh, these people you're bringing out, your witnesses, uh, it's hearsay, it's secondhand. Well, number one, they're the direct players that are right there. But also, we'd love to have uh, the president himself. We'd love to have, you know, bring Trump in. We've got a chair for him. Absolutely, we'll have Trump. Uh, bring bring in, uh, what's his face, the chief of staff. Um, Mulvaney. Uh, Mulvaney. Bring in Mick Mulvaney. Absolutely. Uh, they won't come. They won't come. But anyway, uh, we know it's constitutional. We know it's procedurally correct. Again, we're using the Republican playbook. So you talk about fair, you couldn't get any more fair. Speaker Nancy Pelosi on the House floor, when this thing was being launched, explained why uh, the impeachment inquiry was necessary and what's at stake. What is at stake in all of this is nothing less than our democracy. When we have a president who says, Article 2 says, I can do whatever I want. That is in defiance of the separation of powers. That's not what our Constitution says. So what is at stake is our democracy. What are we fighting for? Defending our democracy for the people. So this is why, you know, Speaker Pelosi, like every member of Congress, like I myself, on each occasion of being sworn into public office, took an oath, an oath not to an individual or party, but to the Constitution of the United States of America. Now, those of you that have been with us for a while know that uh, my father came here from Italy. And uh, when he was in Italy, he's 94 years old, God bless him. And when he was in Italy uh, as a young man, uh, as a young boy, they had to stand up and recite an oath and hold their hand out for Mussolini. And, wow. and he, he, he can still recite it. And it ends with uh, all hail el duce. So it really hits home with me. You know, when I took that oath uh, first as a county commissioner and uh, as a state representative, state senator, mayor, whatever office. And again, I say citizen is the highest office. In a way, I hope you all 
have taken that oath to the Constitution. And the oath for the presidency is written into the U.S. Constitution. That's how serious our founding fathers were about the oath, about you pledging allegiance not to a man, because we were separating, we were moving out of a monarchy. And, you know, very deliberate decisions were made to not get back into that mode, although that was the, the mode that folks were in, of course. People, mm-hmm. you had fiefdoms all over the world, and that's how people were divided up and protected themselves. They, they you know, had a little area under a king or a knight that, that protected them, and they pledged allegiance. They swore allegiance. And then even the modern-day, uh, quote-unquote, dictatorships uh, that were taking off when fascism was spreading around the world, uh, you, you had dictators the world over. And it was about allegiance to them. But in this country, our allegiance has been, if you think about it, to a set of ideas. To That's what we, when we say it's an oath to the Constitution. Well, what is the Constitution? It's this document. It's this living, breathing document that can be amended. It can be changed. And it has been many times. Mm-hmm. So we... Americans, Democrats, Republicans, independents, what a concept. We swear an oath to the United States of America, but to the document, to the Constitution, to the ideals and ideas, ideas and ideals that may, that, that uh, we hope for, that, 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 uh, of liberty and freedom. So uh, that's, uh, that's what we're talking about. That's what Nancy Pelosi is saying. That's what's at stake now. That's what's being debated, because what the Founding Fathers set up was a system where it wasn't one man, a president, making all the rules, saying, well, the Constitution, he's bastardized the Constitution in a way. His understanding of it is the Second Amendment Mm -hmm. is the only one that counts because it it means I can do anything. No, no. And so Nancy points that out in particular. The speaker points that out. They're co-equal branches of government. And what you see when you hear these arguments being debated in all these courts about subpoenas and trying to get documents and trying to force people to testify, what all that is about is about the recognition of the checks and the balances that our founding fathers put in the Constitution, that in fact Congress is a co-equal branch of government designed to hold the executive accountable. Now, wasn't what, correct me if I'm wrong, George Washington concerned that something like this could happen, and that's why we have the limitations of, of the term limits? The term limits, which came later, he, he, he created that as a tradition, but also it's why you have you know the emoluments clause. They were concerned at that time very much so about foreign influence. Mm-hmm. Later, we're going to play a clip from Dan Rather um, that uh, talks about this. But, you know, uh, p- people hear about the emoluments clause, which is you can't get money from a foreign government. And, uh, you know, people sometimes don't understand what that's about. Our, uh, the founding fathers were deeply concerned at that time because, right. of course, you know, there was foreign intervention. And we've seen now again, it's interesting, we've come full circle because now in the last election, we had Russian interference, uh, very clearly proven Russian interference in the election. And uh, we want to make sure there isn't foreign interference election in, in, in 2020. And that's what this impeachment is about, because Trump specifically reached out to Ukraine and wanted foreign intervention in the 2020 election. Even after all the upheaval and what we'd been through in 2016, the guy has the temerity, the audacity, the guts, the chutzpah to invite a foreign government into our election in 2020. And if you're not outraged about it, you ain't paying attention. It's unbelievable. After what we went through in 2016, that this guy wants to lay out the not just the red carpet, but encourage, uh, invite and extort the Ukrainian president into 
intervening in now the 2020 election to ensure you talk about doing anything to win. And the Republicans won't stand up to it. It's unbelievable that they want to be his defense attorney. That 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 hearing was was a disaster. Anyway, in religious matters, we swear allegiance to our God. In marriage, we promise fealty to our spouse. But in public affairs in America, we swear allegiance to our law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America. And I challenge you as an American to be loyal to that Constitution, stand up for that Constitution. That should, in all civil matters, that should be your guide, not what's going to help Trump, what's going to help the Republicans, what's going to help the Democrats. Be loyal to the Constitution. That's my challenge to you, you citizens, the highest office in the land. If you will be loyal to the Constitution, I will have no fears. I will have no concerns if you will promise and take an oath with us, with me, to the Constitution of the United States. The whistleblower and the patriotic career public servants who've come forward to testify, they took an oath to the Constitution, and they took their oath seriously. Each of them has served this nation with honor and distinction. These patriots did not pledge allegiance to Donald Trump, but to America and to the law of the land. Thank God. This impeachment, this constitutional crisis, was brought to us courtesy of Donald J. Trump. And we were reminded of the man at the center of it all who constantly creates chaos of one sort or another during a moment of truth and levity in the midst of the hearings yesterday, courtesy of Congressman Welch, who spoke up in response to Representative Jim Jordan, who was complaining that we won't get to hear from the person who started it all, the whistleblower. First, we'll hear Mr. Jordan's voice, then Mr. Welch's response, which drew some laughter. This one witness that they won't bring in front of us, they won't bring in front of the American people. And that's the guy who started it all, the whistleblower. No. Um, we don't have the Welch clip. Okay, the Welch clip was supposed to follow that up. Hopefully we can find it. Okay. Uh, so uh, Congressman Welch follows that up. So, uh, which is absolutely vital to the point. But anyway, it's ironic that the notion of Trump coming in and answering questions directly under oath before. So, uh, yeah, we have to have Welch. Um, so there was a moment of levity. Hopefully we can get back to it. If we can find Welch's answer, which drew some, uh, some laughter, then we'll play that and, and maybe get back to that point. Uh, but... Again, it would be nice to have President Trump come in. He's complaining that we haven't heard from the whistleblower. We don't really need the whistleblower because everybody else, Taylor and all the others, are backing up what the whistleblower said. The whistleblower drew our initial attention to it. The whistleblower needs to be protected in order to protect the whistleblower process. But uh, we're not missing anything by not having the whistleblower, but we're missing a lot by not having President Trump. And that was Congressman Welch's point. Uh, that that uh, let's say we have an open chair, we have an open invitation to Trump, to Mulvaney. These guys won't come forward. You want to hear from the whistleblower? We already have great testimony from Taylor, from Yovanovitch, uh, from Vindman, who's coming up. And uh, so we really the the whistleblower's identity needs to be protected. Mm -hmm. uh, but President Trump. Now, of course, it would be great to hear President Trump under oath. And you know what I find fascinating yeah. is they're constantly trying to go back to Hillary. Hillary this, Hillary that. 
Hillary testified for 10, uh, 10 hours, I think it was, in the Benghazi yeah. testimony. I think that Jim Jordan um, uh, helped, was involved in all that. So, you know, Hillary has faced the music. Uh, even Clinton, even Hillary's husband, Bill Clinton, under impeachment, uh, uh, testified yeah. under oath. But Trump hasn't testified under oath. So why don't we why don't we have Trump? All right. So we have the clip now, which is Congressman Welch in answer to Jordan. Jordan was demanding. Uh, maybe you can just play Jordan or you want to just play Welch. Uh, so here's Welch answering Jordan when Jordan says, why don't we have the, the guy that started it all? The whistleblower. Here's Congressman Welch. And my colleague, I'd be glad to have uh, the, the person who started it all come in and testify. Uh, President Trump is welcome uh, to take a seat right there. Well, you know why they laughed. Because he's not going to do it. Right. It's a joke to think that, that he would actually come in and be held accountable. But it's ironic that the notion of Trump coming in and answering questions directly under oath before a co-equal branch of government. Why is that laughable? I mean, it's nice that we could have a moment of levity. I mean, it's the human condition. We should laugh in the midst of tragedy. We, right? we, I mean, we you need, can, we need you can to keep our humors about us. Yeah, you got to have some humor. So as human beings, we need it. But it's a precarious time for America. And uh, our experimental democracy, it's experimental. I mean, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin said it's a democracy if you can keep it. Uh, what President Ronald Reagan called the last best hope of man on earth. The last best hope of man on earth. That's what Reagan called America. Uh, here's what veteran American journalist Bill Moyers said recently about the constitutional crisis that's uh, in front of us. Do you fear for the country? For the first time in my long life, and I was born in the Depression, lived through World War II, uh, have been a part of politics and government for all these years now. Yes, for the first time, because I, you know, a society, a democracy can die of too many lies. And we're getting too many lies. I believe a democracy dies by complacency, apathy. Yeah. Apathy, lethargy, and atrophy. Atrophy, like muscles. If not used, they die. Those are all diseases that are aimed at the highest and most important office in this land. That's right, the office of citizen. You can tell me about the power of the media or the power of the filthy rich, the power of the corporations, the power of the military-industrial complex, the power of big oil and gas, the power of lobbyists, and you would not be wrong. Those are all powerful entities here in America. But in spite of all the money, all the power, still today, right now in 2019, I believe there's no greater power than the people. And the people are still what the politicians fear more than anything. If you all will take a stand, you are what will save this democracy. Here's a clip from an old movie you might remember. Now, I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So, uh, I'm mad as hell um, about all this. I hope you are. Um, like I say, it was like a punch in the gut this morning, realizing that we have to go through this. But we have to go through it. We have to go through it together and... In the end, you will dictate where this goes. You will dictate where it ends up. And that's virtual reality. It's up to you. It's in your lap. The ball's in your court. You, when, when people say, I don't know where it's going to end, I don't know where this impeachment, it will end exactly where you allow it to end. 
when you write your congressman, when you call your congressperson, you call your senator, when you express yourself, when you go online, what you tolerate, and you got to ask yourself what you will tolerate and what you expect and what you want for your children and grandchildren in terms of this Constitution. But it will be up to you. It will be if you decide you're mad as hell and what you want in this democracy, which ultimately is in our hands. So uh, we're going to uh, bring on our first. Oh, we're going to have a break. We're going to have and, a break first. And when we come back, let you catch your catch your breath after that <laughs> wonderfully deep and, well, and motivating speech. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Mike Lux, who is the co-founder of Democracy Partners and the author of a new book, How to Democrat in the Age of Trump. Stay with us. I'll tell you what happened. G'day, Morty. I got the Szechuan sauce. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Well, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley. And we're back on The Verge Bonero Show. Uh, thanks for staying with us. We are going to be joined uh, to talk about impeachment and some other uh, political matters by Mike Lux, uh, co-founder of Democracy Partners, an innovative full-service national consulting firm launched in 2011. He has been the CEO of his own consulting firm, Mike Lux Media, since 1999. He served as senior staffer and advisor on six different presidential campaigns. He was the national constituency director for the 1992 Clinton campaign and was the special assistant to the president for public liaison in the Clinton White House. Mike is the author of an incredible book, How to Democrat in the Age of Trump. I'm trying to figure that out. He is a frequent guest on CNN and MSNBC, and we're honored to have Mike Lux on The Verge Bernero Show. Hello, Mike. Uh, hello, Verge. Uh, nice, nice to be on your show. I'm excited about uh, your new show. I've, I've heard great things about it. Well, thank you so much. We're delighted to have you. I can't wait. I got to confess, I have not read your book yet. Uh, so maybe tell us what the book, How to Democrat in the Age of Trump, that sort of gets right to it. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you mean by that? Um, I'm trying to promote, uh, obviously, some some uh, thought thought provoking um, analysis and critical thinking in the age of Trump. Uh, what do you mean to Democrat in the age of Trump? Well, I mean, I think we have to get back to uh, be, to to our you know historic roots and be uh, the party of the people again. When when I was growing up uh, in the 1960s in uh, Nebraska, which is a Republican state. Even in a Republican state, people would talk about Republicans being the party of business and Democrats being the party of the people. Uh, and I, I, I remember that very clearly, hearing that when I was when I was a kid, and I was like, "Well, that's what I want to be. Uh, <laughs> that that's the party I want to be in." And I and I think that over the years, between uh, uh, you know the, the 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 changes in the modern economy, 
the the, uh, the 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 all the big donations, uh, uh, all of those kinds of things. We we kind of drifted away from our core identity, and I and I think we need to we need to get back to it. Uh, the other message of the book is that this idea that we have to choose between uh, swing voters and base voters uh, to me is uh, is is ridiculous. It's that's not how you win elections and it's not how you govern you you have to have a message have an identity uh have a uh, a narrative that you're that you're speaking to that that appeals to uh, a broad majority of the american public not just your base and not just the people in the middle and, and i and i absolutely believe we can do that um, on our last show, Mike, uh, we talked about a, a little bit about uh, where, where the party had been um, and uh, and where we need to go. I mean, and, and the polarization, though, that this unique uh, division that seems you know worse than ever, uh, and a lot of pundits have talked about it. Uh, you know. It, how do we bridge that gap, whether you talk about Democrats, Republicans, or, or, or Democrats to independents, um, when it seems like we don't have any more much of a basis of common uh, facts? You know, it used to be we would disagree on, on yeah. opinion, but, but we sort yeah. of had a basis of facts. Now it, it, it seems like when I try to have conversations, even with friends and family, that we're just coming from completely different universes. And it comes down to like like our basis in facts, whether you're talking about the environment, uh, education, um, almost any subject, obviously Trump and, and Trumpism, but race. Uh, it seems like there is a sort of a, a Republican way or a Fox News way of thinking. And then and then, of course, what I consider a more normal <laughs> way of thinking. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it it's it is a it's a big uh, problem and and it's a it's a reality of the of the way that we're living now where certain media outlets but also especially I think social media uh drive you toward toward a certain uh point of view. And I, I it was funny, I was reading an article the other day by an anthropologist and she said referring to this problem as tribal is an insult to tribes. <laughs> Uh, and uh, That's scary. That's and scary. it's true, you know. I mean, uh, tribes actually got along with each other in many cases, not all, obviously, but they but they traded goods. They sometimes exchanged, you know, spouses. They they worked together on projects of mutual aid, and we're not even doing that uh, these days. I, I think that uh, um, we have a. We have a dysfunctional society. What what I hope, Verge, is that um, we can that that we can elect a Democratic president uh, in the next election and and a Democratic Senate and start getting uh, uh, real things done uh, for the American people that really change the, the 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 structure of society and and sort of break the fever, if you will. Uh, break, you know. I, I feel like we've got this sickness uh, uh, right now. Um, and, but I think if we actually started delivering real things for working people and built a broad consensus, and we won't ever get everybody, but build a broad consensus in the country that we're moving forward together, I think that will, that will help end a lot, a lot of the worst tension. Because right now is... Right now, what I feel like is there's a lot of folks in rural America, there's a lot of folks in working-class America 
who feel forgotten and so and they want to be a part of a tribe they want to be a part of a family they want to be part of uh, of a society but they they feel forgotten and so they're 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 turning to the to this crazy land uh, to the to the Trump tribe. Well, I think you're right, and uh, I hope you're right about uh, that. We that a Democratic getting elected and getting some things accomplished, uh, and and so in, in a sense, I mean, maybe that's an acknowledgement that uh, we didn't get enough accomplished in eight, in eight years of Obama, and that bothers me as a Democrat. Um, but I, but I'm one who I'm one Mike who will look in the mirror and face the hard truths. You know, I do that about my own uh, mayorship. You know, 12 years as mayor, I didn't get everything fixed. I get some people on my Facebook saying, "Oh, you you sucked. You know, you didn't you did this and you did that." Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't fix everything. There's no question that if you come to Lansing, Michigan, you will not find a perfect city. But I think you'll find a much improved city, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But 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 I'm you know I'm, I try to be honest about about you know and and I think we got to be honest about you know the eight years of Obama. Uh, we we so so I voted for him twice, and I used to always say, look, I can criticize him, and and I voted for him mm-hmm. twice, so I more than anybody can yeah. criticize him, you know, what he did right and what he did wrong. Same thing with Clinton. Um, I mean, in a sense, when you vote for somebody, you you to me you have even more responsibility because people say, well, if you voted against him, well then you can bash him. Well then it's easy to bash them. But, but I'm saying, yeah. And, and, yeah. and this is where I, I, I fault and challenge my Republican friends. And when I say my Republican friends, I totally mean it. And they know it if they're listening and they know it because I have good friends, very good friends and family that are Republicans and that vote for, voted for Trump. And my point is, and I challenge them all the time and I've challenged my nephew, I won't say his name, you know, take some responsibility, damn it. You, you voted for the well, you voted for him. Um, and so <laughs> if Obama was doing crap like this, I would be, are you kidding me? I would be bombarding the White House with phone calls and letters. You think I, and when I disagreed with Obama, I said it. Even when I was mayor, I said it. I mean, I went to the White House and conferences and I made my, you know, I made a a butthole out of myself a couple times. I mean, I, I mean, everybody, because I stood up and disagreed. Uh, yep. Where are the Republicans, short of Romney and a couple others, God bless them, where are Republican regular citizens when they know better? And my point is, Mike, they know better. This is stuff that your mother, that your godmother, that your aunt, this is stuff, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, the, the crap that he pulls, the things that he does, why yeah. don't they stand up? We would never allow it. This is my point. Mike, you tell me, as Democrats, we would never allow a Democrat to pull the kind of crap crap. And I'm talking about just basic uh, politeness. Never mind. We're not talking about policy. I disagree. I'm sorry to rant. I disagreed with Reagan on things. I disagreed with both Bushes. Never did would I have supported. There were there were little attempts here and there to talk about trying to impeach Bush or try him for war crimes. I remember I was at the convention and somebody wanted me to sign a petition to try Bush for war crimes. I didn't sign it. Look, and I don't and I don't even uh, hate Trump the person because I don't know him. But what I know of him ain't good. And why don't people, why don't the Republicans stand up for basic decency and the Constitution? Well, you're, you are exactly right. And, and I, I feel the same way about Obama. Look, I was, I was part of the Obama transition. Um, I, I, you know, my, 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 I have a partner who was, you know, was a consultant to the Obama campaigns and to the DNC the entire time he was in office. So we were we were close to the Obamas, but uh, but I still disagreed with him sometimes. I still wrote uh, wrote wrote op eds where I where I disagreed with his take on 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 Wall Street or or, or, or on health care on, on on one 
aspect or another. But of course, of Mike, look at their look at their uh, record. Look at look at the look at what a gentleman he was. Look at him as a father, yeah. as a husband. Look at him. Look at his administration. The number of the number of of charges. The number of any any scandals. The guy ran the cleanest. I think one of the yep. cleanest administrations in the history of the country. He did. He he did that. And 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 you're absolutely right. He had a dignity about him and a grace about him that this president, uh, who is so venal uh, and exactly. so petty, uh, you know, just doesn't have, just but, couldn't have. But, but even not, beyond that, his personality. So, so even beyond that, okay, I want to play a clip because I wanted you to be here to play this clip. Uh, even beyond that, okay, the personal, they're willing to forgive all that. They're willing to ignore it. Okay, even the religious, even my family members who, who are religious, more religious, and say they voted for Trump on religious grounds. I'm like... But but wait, you know, look at this these things he does that are amoral and immoral. But but beyond that, even if you dismiss that, okay, the founding fathers, the, the, this this impeachment, this is the first time an impeachment has been based on a foreign issue. We've had all of the other impeachments were based on domestic policies. Dan Rather makes a very good point here. Do we have that Rather clip? I want to get Mike's opinion on this. Yep, we got it. Dan Rather veteran foremost this was the first time in which we've had an impeachment proceeding in which it involved a f a questions of a foreign power involved in the elections or, or sought to be involved in elections and very serious military national security mm. issues that didn't exist with the with the clinton impeachment it didn't exist with the impeachment effort against richard nixon he resigned rather than face them indeed so, Mike, before you got on, I went off on this a little bit, that that uh, this is the first one. You know, Dan Rather said, said it very clearly. This is what our founding fathers, this was one of their big fears when the country was founded, that that uh, fear of foreign intervention. After having been through 2016, where we now know very clearly that the Russians intervened on behalf of Trump, okay, whether or not how much impact they have, who knows. But we know that they intervened, that they were involved, they tried to uh, influence our election. To have a president very clearly in his own voice, I mean, it doesn't matter what the whistleblower says, frankly, even all these witnesses, it's great to see patriots come forward, but we have Trump. We have the, the so-called transcript. We, Trump has basically acknowledged that he is extorting the, the president of Ukraine in order to get this aid to get involved in the 2020 election. This is unheard of. I mean, this is clearly impeachable, is it not? He's his own whistleblower. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he is. He's, he, he said it all. His chief of staff has said it all. Uh, uh, of, of course this is impeachable. I mean, this is, this, uh, what he has done is so fundamentally corrupt, so, so uh, uh, deeply self-serving. But, but I, mean, I mean, you can use the word traitorous. Yes. This, this man is selling us out for personal gain, for political gain, to uh, not not only to Ukraine, but it's clear that he's done that with Russia as well. Well, he's doing it you because look at the, to, the, the, the Helsinki press conference alone. Yes, yes. Uh, well, and uh, to hurt. Proves, yes, proves absolutely. That. And to hurt Ukraine is to help Russia, right? And exactly. To, and to, and to exactly. hurt NATO, to attack NATO is to help Russia. I mean, so much of what he does yeah. is helping Russia. That we could do a whole separate, and books have been written on that. Well, what 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 he did in Syria uh, with the Kurds not only betrayed the Kurds, but it helped Help. the Russians. Exactly. It's funny. All <laughs> these things. The, the, there's this Russian link with this guy. There's the Russian connection at every yeah. turn. 
Yeah, I mean, and Pelosi said it well. All roads lead to Russia. I mean, That's she, right. you know, she laid it out there. How how right. red blooded Americans, even whether they have a D and R or an I after them, how they cannot be deeply concerned mm-hmm. about these Russia ties? I just don't understand it. And Russia, yes, there was a time they tried to point out, uh, Mike. I've heard them. They've tried to point out to me. Oh well, uh, you you Democrats were trying to make friends with Russia. Yes, there was a period during Yeltsin. And just after Yeltsin, when it transitioned to Putin, Yeltsin brought Putin in, let's not forget. So, yes, we had hoped that there was going to be a new a new uh, road to Russia. We'd hoped that there was going to be a new type of relationship. Of course, all that has been made very clear now. He is a dictator. He's destroyed the democratic basis of the country. And so yep. I just I say this to try to help our listeners understand that, yes, there was a time when we had a, a more, we had softened our posture toward Russia. Now it's clear that Putin is trying to reestablish the Soviet Union, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, so, there, there's, there's no question about it. He's he is uh, one of the most corrupt, uh, you know, dictatorial leaders there is in the world, and and, and uh, he the most is powerful and, right now. So that's that is a grave threat to us and to Europe, our allies in Europe, and that's what the Ukraine holding the line on Ukraine is all about. And so for Trump to toy with that. Uh, to not send in those missiles, to not send in that vital military aid until the guy agrees to get up and hold a press conference and say nasty mm-hmm. things about Joe Biden. It's un- unbelievable. It's unconscionable. It's, yes, illegal. And it's, for God's sakes, impeachable. Yes, no kidding. And, and the Republicans, back to your earlier point, the Republicans who are either defending this or just sort of uh, avoiding <laughs> saying anything about it, it is it is unconscionable. But I agree with you, Mike, that we're going to have to get back to governing, and we're going to have to get back to what my daughter challenged me to do, which is to talk about real issues, although I think these are real issues, Virginia. Um, but uh, I hear what she's saying, that we, we Democrats, we got to deliver. we got to deliver. And, and certainly Absolutely. when we get there, and, and we got to get back to those bedrock principles that FDR, New Deal, I think— uh, you know, actually providing and building on Obamacare, you know, delivering jobs, delivering health care, delivering on the environment. For God's sakes, every time you turn around, it's a new environmental calamity. California's oh, God, on terrible. fire. Yes, I absolutely. Mean, th- this is where, Mike, I want to have you on again. I want to talk about, I mean, I, 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 again, I'm not... I'm not saying the Republicans are the enemy. I would never say that. They're the loyal opposition. But, you know, they're in denial. I mean, to be a Republican today is about denial and defensiveness, defending Trump and denying what's happening, denying climate, you know, denying the deficit. I mean, look what Trump's done to the deficit. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. It's exploding. Clinton had it about paid off. Kudos to you and the Clinton team. So uh, it, it is. It's amazing. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to come back on any time. I've, I've totally enjoyed talking to you, and, and you're right. Your, your, uh, uh, your, your city, uh, uh, you know, was, was, uh, was a better place uh, when you were mayor and after you were mayor or after you left. Well, God so, bless you. Thank um, you so much for saying that. I'm going to read your book in the interim, so when you come back, I can challenge you on some of the stuff in your book. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Keep up the great good. work. Thank you so much Thanks, for joining Rich. us, Mike. Mike Lux, author of how to Democrat, how to Democrat in the age of Trump. But, uh, you know, right now I'll settle for just how to be an American, yeah. you know, how to be a citizen. 
in the Absolutely. age of Trump. I mean, later we can get to the, the partisan. I say, you know, uh, put on your patriotic hat before your party hat right now. This is a time for all Americans to come to the, the aid of their country. Um, and so my daughter, I said I'd get back to that. You know, my daughter challenged me. You know, she says, you got to talk about issues. I said, look, uh, right now impeachment is the issue. But I understand what she's saying. But uh, so, so let's talk about the issues. The environment. I mean, uh, the environment, the economy, the deficit. Uh, and and in all these things, in my view, the Republicans are in denial. New developments, yes. Climate change. Uh, the Lancet is coming out with their latest climate change report. We're going to talk about it in a future episode. It ain't good, folks. Uh, and guess what? The climate change, global warming, that wasn't a hoax either. Impeachment isn't a hoax, and neither is climate change, which Trump believes. Uh, if it's a hoax, tell that to the people who got no water in India. Tell yeah. that to the people who are heating up in Africa. Tell that to the folks who are on fire uh, in California, where fires are raging. Climate change is no hoax. It's here. But then they convince themselves, Andy, well, but we, it may be real. It right. may be real, but we can't do anything about it. I mean, that's that's why I wish I could be so a Republican. So try? Honest to God, I, I, I wish. There are times, Andy, when I wish, I just wish I could be a Republican because it would be such a—it's bliss because ignorance is bliss. It, it would be so bliss to be a Republican because <laughs> either, either it's not happening, yep. it's a hoax, or if it is happening, we can't do anything about it. Sort of like the deficit. Like Trump comes in as a candidate, candidate Trump. You know, he was bashing Obama on the yep. deficit. Now he has ballooned the deficit yep. by eons. It will take years. And, of course, the Republicans don't want to talk about it. They now it's, it's no big deal. And the, and that, that global warming thing, and the, that, that's no big That's We can't do anything about it. So if you can't do anything about it, you know, ignore it. I, I wish I could be a Republican because life would be so good. I wouldn't have to wake <laughs> up and worry. I wouldn't have to go to bed and worry. There you go. Uh so we got to have a break. We're going to take Gosh, a quick they break. want these breaks. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to talk to Colin Schwartz and Dungan. We're going to talk about your holiday gift uh, list. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of the drop-in with Daryl Valley. I'll tell you what happened. G'day, Morty. I got the Szechuan sauce. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Well, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. All right. Welcome back to the Virgin Bonero Show. Now, I know I promised you the holiday edition, and we are going to talk about some holiday purchasing uh, and socially conscious, responsible uh, purchasing with Colin Schwartz. But uh, we're going to talk with psychologist Judith Kovach next week. We're going to make that our, our, our holiday edition. Where That'll gonna, be a really good episode. Where we're going to talk about peace and politics, politics and peace, how to talk politics over the holidays right. and not end up with a brawl. 
I think that's going to be really helpful. Uh, so to that a lot will of be people. the holiday show next week. But we are going to talk a little bit about holiday purchasing because, in case you haven't noticed it, uh, on TV, on radio, they're already starting in a big way uh, pitching the uh, the holiday goods uh, that you might be purchasing. So we will talk about that. But anyway, just to finish up on the the uh, denial and defense of yeah. the Republicans and their posture. Uh, again, uh, that that is the approach. It would be it would be nice if if I guess uh, I could I could adopt that. Uh, thought process. I cannot. Uh, and I think in some ways Americans have crisis fatigue. I think they have information over, overload. I think they have uh, a couple, uh, uh, apocalypse-itis. And I think, again, that's another reason why people retreat into denial. Uh, is is uh, because it's just it can be overwhelming at times. It can be depressing. But that's no reason to turn off uh, your thought process and to capitulate. We can uh, do things. We can fight back. We can make a difference uh, and do the right thing for our children and grandchildren. So uh, we have Cullen Schwartz, the uh, founder and uh, of, of Done Good, the Amazon of Socially Responsible Consumerism. I'm sure I didn't get that right. He'll correct me. Uh, one-time Democratic politico, Cullen Schwartz. Is Cullen with us via Skype? It looks like Cullen's with us. He's a little uh, I, frozen. He's a little choppy. He's a little... He's... I, I can, yeah, I can hear you all. Uh, my video looks like it's on the blink here, uh, blinking. But can you see me? Or you're saying yeah, you're well, frozen? I can, well, I can sort of see you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're moving at about one frame an hour. So just hmm. don't move very fast. <laughs> yeah. Nice just move slow slowly, Cullen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did, so you are the founder of Done Good, just to reintroduce the concept. I like the name, Done Good. Nice. And people can find you at donegood.co. Not com for some reason. Dungood.co, uh, co, and I called you the Amazon of socially responsible consumerism. Did I did I get that right? And can you can you spell that yeah. out for us? Well, that's that, that's pretty good. The the Forbes headline on us was the Amazon for social good, but you know I think either way it gets the point across. It's a place where you can go and shop like Amazon. You can buy all sorts of products from hundreds of companies all in one spot, except. Uh, as opposed to when you're supporting Amazon or you know a lot of the companies that are making things wherever in the world and you don't know what their business practices are. When you shop on Dungood, you know that every company is screened so that they are paying living wages, they're empowering workers, they're investing in communities, uh, they're using eco-friendly practices. Wow. So as you're buying the things you need to buy anyway, your the money that you're spending is helping to address income inequality and poverty and helping to fight climate change and helping to make the world better instead of, you know, sometimes when we spend money, we give it to companies that we don't know what they're doing. You know, we're helping locking people in poverty or contributing to climate change. So it's a way to uh, to shop, get the things you need and make sure that the money that you're spending supports the things you believe in. Wow. It is it is a pretty big idea. It is a pretty bold uh, and ambitious idea. Um, that I could have a one-shop stop for—and tell me if I'm overstating it—but a one-shop stop for uh, my my purchasing, especially as we're coming into the big purchasing uh, period right now. Um, and uh, so, so I want to make sure that the that I, that I understand this big concept. And and you've been at it for a while, so. Uh, uh, it's very ambitious. How is it going? And are you planning a big Black Friday sale? 
Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's going well. We've been around for four years. Uh, you know, we haven't uh, exploded to, uh, uh, you know, Amazon uh, size, uh, you know, just yet. So but we, uh, you know, we continue to grow. Obviously, you know, this just helps helping more people. Um, you know, progressive audiences, especially like yours, who, you know, who, who care about poverty, who care about income inequality, who care about climate change. Uh, but, you know, like we, we always talk about, you know, voting is important, but every time you you've uh, buy your wallet. Right. So we're um, you know, it helps for more people who care about these issues who then also, you know, uh, we help to deliver the message where we say, look, Americans gave $400 billion to charity last year, but we spent $130 trillion buying stuff. So for those of us who care about greater social and environmental justice, we believe that where we choose to buy things, that really is the biggest impact we make on the world. So voting is important. Volunteering for your preferred candidate is important. Giving to charity, you know, the work nonprofits are doing, it's important. But man, at least as important, if not more important, is where we're buying things. But it's also very, been very difficult in the past to know where um, where to buy. So we so, try to make that easy. So I and then one thing, well, one thing I didn't, you know, I, I was encouraged to mention by you, Verge, was, uh, or, you know, your daughter told, told you that she liked about Done Good was um, that we also have filters on the site where you can filter by the issues you care about, right? So you can also, every company is doing good in terms of workers and environmental issues, but you can filter by made in USA, you can filter by vegan, you can filter by women owned. Uh, so you can even, you know, sort of uh, match your uh, the issues that you care about even more uh, and find the companies that so you want I, to support. So I still need to customize. But on my phone, I was playing with my phone and it wasn't because I wasn't listening to you. But I was looking <laughs> to see I have and I and, and I am not a, really a master of much of this technology, but I have the done good app on yeah. my phone. Uh, so what I have not done. See, can you see that done good? Uh, what I have not done is. uh is customize it, you know, in terms of the things you're talking about, uh, of what, what I care most about. But that's good to know that I can do that. Uh, yep. So uh, it's kind of stuck. It's I got the circle of death here uh, going in my, because I, I don't think I have a good signal in here in the studio. But uh, so folks can get the, the this app. It's easy to download. If it's on my phone, it must be easy. Um, and so if you're out uh, somewhere, I mean, this can be used in your home. It can be used wherever. Um and uh, so in this shopping season, Colin, this would be especially important. What is the variety? But my question is, I, I haven't studied your site enough. Uh, what is the variety of items that I can the, uh, get, the com uh, commodities, uh, you know, uh, co compared to, say, an Amazon or if I go to the mall? Yeah. God forbid if I go to the mall, which almost never happens. <laughs> oh, man. What a word. <laughs> yeah. Mall. Yeah. So, uh, so how does the how is the done good virtual mall? How does it compare? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think pretty good. We have we have two hundred plus brands, and it's range it ranges from you know men's and women's clothing, uh, kids clothing to home goods. You know, mattresses that are organic <laughs> and non toxic and uh, pay fair wages, um, bed sheets. You know, other home goods, candles. Inflatable solar-powered lanterns, uh, some packaged food. Um, you know, I mean, it's a wide range. Now, some things we're, you know, we're still building, we're still growing. Uh, we don't have any ethically or sustainably made flat-screen TVs. I'm not sure that those exist in the world just yet. So, you know, for some things like that, uh, uh, you know, food processors, home appliances, stoves, refrigerators. You know, we don't, we don't have things like that. Uh, but, you know, clothing, home goods, beauty products. Um, you know. 
all sorts of okay, uh, well, we, we have a wide be- wide variety of products wide variety of brands we, so we, we appreciate people to check done good first and then look you know if we don't have the food processor that uh, that your mom wants you know well then yeah sure what the hell get it from amazon or the mall or wherever you can you know but we, right, well, we appreciate you checking our, our universe first i'm gonna be giving you guys a, a, a real shot this holiday season and i hope others will as well done good thing Sorry, real quick, Verge. I want to get in if we're transitioning out of this. Was uh, you asked about Black Friday? We invented a different holiday. Shop for Good Sunday. Uh, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it's uh, you know we looked around. We said there's Black Friday, there's Small Business Saturday, there's Cyber Monday, and there's Giving Tuesday. But there was nothing on the Sunday. So, so we invented a holiday, and we've got over uh, 80 brands participating. We're also partnering with uh, media platforms like Upworthy and. Um, uh, nonprofits like one percent for the planet and so it's it's just a lot of organizations who believe that purchasing power can be used for good and especially during the holidays we all spent one trillion dollars buying holiday presents last year so um so uh, shop for good sunday is the alternative to black friday that we promote and then just like black friday though we do have uh, like i said over 80 uh ethical and sustainable brands who are also offering big discounts and those discounts actually run from the tuesday before thanksgiving uh, through through Cyber Monday, so that whole week from Tuesday, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving till the Monday after Thanksgiving, on Dungood.co, on our website or on our app, uh, we will have that that Black Friday alternative uh, running right. and, and sounds, discounts going. That sounds whole week. great. Check it out for the holidays, folks. Um, uh, Colin, we have some breaking news uh, coming in that um, there has been a shooting. Looks like yeah. a mass shooting in Santa Clarita, California. Uh, uh, high school at a high school. I understand that six uh, six victims have been sent to the hospital at this point. Uh, our prayers, of course, uh, uh, and thoughts are with the um, victims and their families in California. Uh, this is every time uh, this happens. Of course, our worst uh, our thoughts are with those. Our best thoughts are with those folks who are experiencing the worst possible tragedy. Um, we we know it could be any any community. It could be any one of us. Um, we we breathe a sigh of relief, of course, for for our loved ones. But of course, uh, our thoughts are with those um, going through this tragedy. We've we've got to get a handle on it. I know you agree with me, Colin, that um, the violence uh, the violence um, in this in this country is just so hard to, to understand. Uh, but we've got to get a handle on it. And, and for God's sakes, uh, keeping our children safe at school um, is just the, the, the most basic, uh, the, the, the lowest bar when we drop our kids off at school. I mean, sure, we hope that they'll get educated, but, but we sure as heck hope that they're going to get home in one piece and safe. Uh, and yet in this country, we can't seem to guarantee that. Um, so. Yeah, it's um, it's always demoralizing. Uh, although you know there are there are glimmers of hope, I think uh, that things are changing. I mean, you looked at, look at the election results in Virginia just uh, or last week or a couple weeks ago, and uh, uh, gun safety was a big issue, and it's finally something you know that those who are in favor of gun safety are campaigning on and winning on. I do think and hope that it just seems like the the sentiment on the issue is changing and people want reasonable 
just some reasonable, you yeah. know, safety measures. Well, we, uh, yeah. I mean, we've, it's we've, just so overdue. We've, so we've overdue. Got, and I think I, I do. If there's any, you know, hopefulness at a at a time like this, I, I do think we're finally. It's things are finally changing. I, I, I hope. Well, we will be talking about uh, gun regulation on this program in the future. There, it, it was always planned that we would. Um, sadly, uh, there is always another uh, incident which, which will keep it in the fore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will be an issue, undoubtedly, in the 2020 uh, election. It should be an issue. Uh, we are an outlier, as you know, uh, Colin and Andy. Uh, as our listeners know, this, the United States of America is an absolute outlier among modern industrial, uh, post-industrial uh, countries in terms of the number of uh, gun deaths. Uh, whether it's the number of suicides, homicides, uh, we, we are we stand above virtually every industrial country. They other countries have found a way uh, to do a better job and we can do a better job mm-hmm. and still respect the Second Amendment. Again, our thoughts and prayers and best hopes uh, uh, with the victims and the families in Santa Clarita, California, they should not have to go through this. They should not have to face this. It is outrageous. It is terrible. Uh, it could be anywhere. These are our brothers and sisters. This could be our community. This could be our family members. Uh, and we can, I believe that we can absolutely respect the Second Amendment. I believe in the Constitution. When I talk about the Constitution and wave the flag and pound my chest and pound the desk about the Constitution, I'm talking about all of the Constitution. That's right. But every right in that, every right in the Constitution is balanced by responsibilities. And uh, there is no absolute right, even the right to free speech, and I, uh, which I, uh, of course, greatly respect and take advantage of here. Uh, the right to free speech is limited. You cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. You cannot put people at risk with your, with your speech. Uh, and the Second Amendment over the years, there are uh, limits to it. People cannot own machine guns. People cannot own bazookas. The mm-hmm. government has a monopoly on the power. Uh, 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 the power of the sword. Uh, And uh, so, uh, yes, you have the right to uh, self-protection and so on, um, but there can be limits. And we certainly uh, need to make sure that our communities are safe and that there are appropriate uh, safeguards when it comes to the Second Amendment, when it comes to guns. And, gun and the things the things that people that, that are even being talked about are so basic and supported by 80, 90 percent of Americans even, and a even, majority of gun owners. Yes. We're talking universal background checks. You can Come have on. background checks at a store. How about at a gun show and other places where guns can be sold? It's basic stuff. So, basic stuff. Yep. Yeah. So we have to wrap it up. Colin, thank you for joining us again. Do check out donegood.co. I will be checking that out for my holiday purchases before you shop. Shop at donegood.co. And uh, we'll talk to you again uh, about politics in the future. Colin, take care. That's good. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Thanks. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in and uh, watching the Verge Monero show today. Uh, make sure you check out the NRM Streamcast website. Uh, the app is available on iTunes and Android Play Store and on TheVergeShow.com. Verge, any last words for our viewers? Uh, it's been great. Stay engaged. Stay upbeat. And I will see you next time on The Verge Bonero Show. God bless.